I'm Kristen Birdwell, and this is Sex, Drugs, and Soul. Olivia Pavlov is a passionate advocate for utilizing sexuality as a transformational and healing tool. With a MA in psychology and five years of experience as a sexual healer and Dakini, Liv delivers a unique transmission blending the scientific and the mystical. She has walked many paths in this short lifetime, including marriage and divorce, the dance of polyamory and monogamy, and has studied with several tantric and mystery schools. She draws upon all of these experiences in her work as a coach and educator. Serving love is her guiding principle, and she's here to support your embodiment and liberation. So who doesn't want that? (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Um, thank you for coming on for, I may have some people that have no idea what a Dakini is. So first let's tell peeps what that is. (laughs) And then I would love to dive in to, um, yeah, using pleasure and sexuality for transformation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the word Dakini comes from Sanskrit. So there's the feminine, which is Dakini and Dhaka, which is the masculine, And the word itself actually means sky dancer, which is kind of a cool, yeah, it's like very interesting. Whatever you want to interpret that as, you can get as trippy as you want. Um, And throughout time, that word has been used for people who offer healing with sexuality. So Mm -hmm. it's like you're a massage therapist if you work on someone's body. And usually you have the guidelines of like you don't include genitals or anything sexual. And so doctors and dakinis do healing work with the whole body. So hands-on healing, oftentimes including the genitals and including sexuality as part of the healing process. Um, You might also hear that called a tantrika or there isn't a man form of that. So there's tantrika is another word. Um, but yeah, usually Dhaka and Dakini is like the formal tantric Sanskrit word for, for doing healing work, um, with your hands and including people's sex as part of it. Yeah. yeah. A whole, to me that encompasses like a whole more holistic kind of approach. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cause for I sure. feel like for so long within my spiritual journey, bypass sexuality or felt like I had to tote the line or live one way or the other. Um, I would love to find out like how you discovered, you know, I'm super curious how you discovered this realm or uh, pleasure and sexuality for transformation or these, this healing work. Yeah. Um, well, it's fun that we're having this conversation and I'm in Austin because it actually started here in Austin for me. So, uh, huh. Um, about, let's see, six years ago, I went through a major life change, major kind of awakening. Um, I had worked in the corporate world. I had been in a PhD program. I had been married, kind of, you know, checked the boxes. I owned a house. We had three cars, like did, you know, American dream, checked them all. And I started to have health problems and I started to get so depressed. Um, And thankfully, it was very chance happenings. I remembered that I had been into meditation as a teenager and I started meditating and I started to hear whatever you want to say, the universe, God, myself, my body. And I started to get these just like strange impulses that did not fit into this very, you know, black or white kind of uh, 
Barbie doll. I was like a Barbie doll in this life that my ex-husband had, had really designed. And so I eventually got the courage to tell him, I don't know what I need to do or where I need to go, but there's some life that is totally different than this that I need to live. I would love to do it with you. Like if you want to dive into the mystery with me, let's go. Um, and he was like, no, this is my dream. Like, and if you're not happy here, like I can't, I can't make you happy. So I ended up leaving and I called my high one of my high school best friends who was living in Austin, near Austin and told him what was going on. And I said, you know, do you have any advice? Do you have any recommendations what I should do? Like, what's my first step? Um, he, he was somebody I just always trusted and he had gone through his own transformation and he was like also very depressed and worked this very kind of standard job and had started his own company and started dating and he never used to date. And I'm like, what did you do? Tell me the two, two things you did. So he said, do the landmark forum, which is mm-hmm. a whole nother thing. Um, I and did then that he recently. Said, did you? Yeah. Funny. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. And he said, and then, you know, he said, I recently, I did this thing where I went to this old man's house and I just talked with him for a couple hours and then we got naked and we talked about everything we hated about our bodies. And I'm like, why would you do that? Like, that sounds really weird. And he's like, I know, I get it. He's like, but then the next week, like, I got a new job offer and this girl I've had a crush on for a year asked me out and like all these doors opened, you know? And I'm like, because you got naked in this old man's living room? Like, what do you mean? You know? And he was like, you should, do you want to try it? He's like, you should just try it. I'm like, okay, I'll try anything. You know, I'm like, I'm like desperate. So it turns out that this man is like a tantric educator. So he's been around, he's, he's uh, turning 84 this year. And wow. since his forties, he went on his whole sexual awakening journey. And um, this practice of uh, really, it's a shame release practice is what he does with people. One of his main kind of, you know, gifts or practices. And he likes to say that shame is the opposite of productivity. So he says, when you release shame, it's kind of just natural that you become productive at whatever you wanted to be doing anyway. Like if you wanted a different job, if you wanted a different relationship, like when you release shame, you just get freed up. Um, and so I did that. I did. I went to his house. I got naked in his living room and it was, it was exhilarating. It was like this things I had never actually considered that I thought about my body or judged about my body like this long hair that grows on my chin and I'm worried about anybody seeing it and like, you know, just voicing all these things, I would say it opened up um, my ability to receive love, like to believe that I could be loved just how I was, even if I didn't know what my life was supposed to be about. And before I left that day, I said, do you like, do you help people? Like, do you, do you talk to me? Do you coach people? Like, what do you do? And he said, oh, I, I call people. And I said, well, can you call me? Like, can you keep calling me? I need help right now. And he said, sure. And um, and then for about two years, he called me almost every day. And he would just ask me questions about my body, about sexuality, about how I saw the world. And he would tell me, go, go read this book. Go watch this TED Talk. Go, you know, he just slowly kind of started to 
to feed me all these resources about sacred sexual healing. And, um, and it just, it just clicked. It just worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. I get to where it would clear up like a lot of energetic space that was used for shame. It can now be used for something else that, mm-hmm. that resonates. Um, and how beautiful too. How, so from that moment, it's like, did you know in that instance, like, okay, I want to possibly work in this realm. Like, how did that evolve? Yeah. So over the next year, let's say from that point, so that was early 2017. Um, pretty soon thereafter, I I was also very curious sexually. So I got married when I was 19. Um, and I had only had a few years of having sex before that and then went into a completely monogamous relationship. Um, and when I, when I came out of that relationship, I was like, I almost feel like I can't remember any of the sex I had with my ex-husband. I'm like, what's that about? Like, that seemed just odd, you know? And I started to look at that question and through my work, um, in Landmark, I remembered and like fully kind of owned and claimed that as a teenager, I had had sexual trauma that I had been raped um, when I was a teenager. And it was something that I had just like, I would say suppressed or never explored or it happened. And I was like, well, I'm never going to think about that again. I don't need to worry about that. That's like, you know, just kind of put it in a box in a closet. Um, But what that had done was it had also just suppressed my sexuality overall. And so because there were these negative feelings and hurt and pain in my sex and in my sexual center, like I couldn't actually be there when I was having sex. I was like somewhere else, you know, like my body was there, but I was gone. Um, And so I would say also like from that, it's called a body presentation. It's the exercise where you get naked. Um, I think I just, I don't know that I had an aha, like, oh, right, my sex is shut down because I was, I had sexual trauma, but it was like, I wasn't afraid to talk about that or think about that anymore. Mm. So all that to say, I was finally at this place of like, I want to explore sexually and I want to date. I want to find out what I like. You know, I was 24 and, um, and also, you know, very magically, just the right people started to come into my life. And, and I started to have partners who were interested in Tantra and interested in like, in pleasing me, which I really had never had before. It was kind of like, my sex is something that I did for men. And I showed up and like, took my clothes off. And then it was over. And then I left. And <laughs> But then I started to have partners who were like, I want to make you feel good. I want to please you. What, what does your pussy want? And I'm like, this is different. And, and after a while of that, I started to have people come to me who I wasn't necessarily attracted to, or like, I didn't want to date them, but I would hang out or we would, you know, go have dinner. We would have a kiss. And then they would call me and be like, Oh my God, I got a new job. Or, Oh my God, I just met the love of my life. Or they started to have transformation after spending time with me. And, and it wasn't even having sex, but it was, there was an element of they were attracted to me. They, they had desire for me. They had this, there was eros is what I would say now is my understanding. So I was like, this seems like I'm really doing something big here. And I was in a life coaching program 
as well to learn to be a life coach. But also, also there, they weren't talking about sex, you know, it was kind of like, you know, coaching people about business or, you know, relationships, but there was nothing specific around sexuality. And so I just had this thought one day, I'm like, is what I'm giving these people, like, could I actually make money off of this? Like, could people come to me and could it be okay if they were attracted to me, but they got transformation? And I'm like, that seems, that seems like that's what I'm doing. That's let's, you know, I'm like, so I just started talking to people and being like, what is that? Do you know about that? Is that a thing? And, um, I was simultaneously learning body work and Reiki. So I, I got this like an aha that my, my life purpose was about healing, but it had to, it was like, I have to touch people, like whether it was physically mm-hmm. touch them or like, and you know, but I was meant to touch people and invoke healing. And so some of my clients also were like getting erections or, you know, kind of wanting to also like, can we go have dinner after your miss? You know, I'm like, this is what is happening. It just didn't, I didn't know, or I didn't have a context for what all that was. And so finally um, I met, I met one of my ex-boyfriends and I was telling him about all this and he was like, oh yeah, you're, you're kind of like a, like, you know, you're kind of like a sacred sexual healer. And I'm like, a sacred sexual healer. Like, yes, that's the thing. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, how do I do it? Like, what is that? And he had happened to work as a sex worker, my, my ex-partner. And so he was like, well, you know, let me, let me share my experience with you. Let me introduce you to other people. Um, and I was, I was living in Australia at the time where um, sex work is actually much more widely legalized than it is in America. And so there is a more, there's a more aware culture around all of it there actually, which I think supported me to find my way. So through just, through knowing him, through meeting other um, people that did tantric healing. And um, I actually, I started out one of my first ways of, of finding people and monetizing was I applied to work in a strip club. And um, during my lap dances, I would talk to people about their life and really like inquire, what, what are you really here for? Like, what's going on in your life? What are you struggling with? And, and just contributing to them to get them to look at the deeper reasons. Um, and from there, people wanted to see me outside of the club. And I started to offer sessions on my own outside of that. Um, and about maybe about six months to a year later, I did my first actual formal training at um, Source Tantra, which is a school started by Charles Muir. Um, he's a student of Mantak Chia, who's a Taoist Tantra teacher. And I remember going to my first day and watching the demo of, of a, you know, an example kind of healing session. I was like, that's exactly what I've been doing. I was like, it's like step for step, exactly what I'm doing. I'm like, okay, this is pretty cool. So yeah, I love that you kind of like did that intuitively first too, without the like Mm -hmm. official training in some ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, you know, I've had experience in both a disempowered way and an empowered Mm -hmm. way within the six work realm as well. Like specifically like sugaring. And uh-huh. so I, I kind of intuitively know like, okay, people sometimes may think that they're coming for sex, but a lot of times it's really like intimacy or connection or some other like 
you know, healing. I'm like, I was a healer before I knew I was a healer. Right. <laughs> right. So it's interesting. And that's why I feel like I'm drawn to you in so many ways too, because I'm like, I feel like I, I could learn so much from you. Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. looking forward to exploring. So what, how would you suggest like implementing this for someone that either wants to have like, uh, or would you suggest like, you know, hiring someone or working solo or like using, you know, pleasuring sexuality for transformation for themselves with, with others? Like how, how do you suggest going about that? And this is, this is for somebody who wants to go on this healing journey themselves. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess something I skipped over in my story is that for that first year, like as I, after I did the body presentation and got into learning about sexuality and learning about healing, one of my main homework assignments from my teacher, his name is Ed, this old man, his name's Ed. Um, one of his main assignments was daily self-touch. So mm-hmm. daily spending time with my body. And, and the way he described it to me was he said, it doesn't matter if you are trying to have an orgasm or not. He said, I want you to listen to your pussy. So like whatever body you have that, you know, I would have this invitation of like, start, it really starts with ourselves and starts with like, how do I listen to my sex center? How do I listen to my cock even? And um, I would say that really is the first piece. And it's hard. Like, it's very confronting because we you know, we kind of have this cultural understanding of like our genitals can provide us pleasure. We often kind of, many of us, myself probably included, use them for, for comfort or for pleasure or for numbing out or whatever it is. Um, but they, we also, in many ways, that's the center of our emotional life. You know? And so when we haven't taken time to really get in touch with what's going on inside myself, what there's often a backlog of anger and rage and disappointment and pain. And so self-pleasure, you know, often is not like ecstatic, woohoo, I'm having an orgasm. It can be like, oh, like I just hate this piece of myself or I just hate that I hate this piece of myself or mm-hmm. like anger about our parents or our siblings or so um it's it's a deep journey and i would say it really does start start with ourselves and i would highly recommend getting some kind of support whether it's a coach or a therapist or you know finding a tantra school um, or even finding <clears throat> someone who offers sacred sexual healing sessions one on one because like i like to say um, you have to, you have to do this journey yourself, but you can't do it alone. Mm, it's, yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. my, probably my knee jerk response reaction a lot of times is like to be like the hyper independent, um, mm-hmm. or like, I'm strong. I can do this on my own. And so like we recently, like I would say to make me within the last year, <laughs> mm-hmm. is like leaning on voicing like the yeah. need for support or like leaning on support from others in this facet. I mean, you know, I, I did it like maybe within the mindset, personal development realm, but as far as like more sensual or sexual type of healing, mm-hmm. for sure within the last year. 
Um, yeah. and, I, and just, it's like a courageous journey too. Cause I don't know how like advocated, you know, in the media or culture it is. Totally. I feel like it also is a way to keep culture tuned out from like their innate power and what they're truly 100%. capable of. Yeah. I just got chills <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> it's all yeah. Like, yes. yeah. Um, can I riff off that for a second? Yeah, go for yeah. it. So I love this connection in the etymology and the words, right? Genitals literally means to gen is generate, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, there's no coincidence that those words are so similar because it's, it is our, our generator. It's our power mm -hmm. generator. Like there's this whole analogy I like to think about of power in many ways is like electricity. It's like, mm -hmm. is your battery full? Or is it empty? And do you know that you have a generator living inside your body so that you can refuel? Or do you think you have to go plug in to your phone or to McDonald's or to your my matcha latte to get more power? You know, it's like <laughs> and and it's like none of those are bad, right? But it's like, it, am I choosing those sources consciously because I'm I actually enjoy them or is it out of like, I don't even know the mm. option to generate my power and my life force myself. Mm, yeah. And it's like outsourcing mm -hmm. those resolutions when you have that at home mm -hmm. <laughs> like within yourself. Mm -hmm. I love that way. Like that way you worded things too, like, <laughs> the power and the, and the words. I'm a huge word person, of course, but uh -huh. like, Oh, love it. Oh. I think that just like helps like, sink into or click into it a little more for me. Mm -hmm. um, I know it'll help people that listen to this too. Um, so I'm like, where to go from there? I got another piece. Yeah, sure. go for it. Yeah. Yes, please. Um, it's also when we have power or when we're full of power, it can be very uncomfortable, which I don't think is something that is normalized or like talked about, you know? There's this idea that like, well, if we have power or we're famous or we have money or whatever, it's like life's easy and it's a piece of cake, you know, and it's like my life's hard because I don't have blah, blah, blah. But it's I actually think power in and of itself is very uncomfortable. It's like if you have ever gotten up to speak on a stage or even if you've ever gone to write an Instagram post and you're like, no, 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 I shouldn't say that. I can't say that. You get like sometimes I get like hot. I get like hot and prickly inside when I have power, especially when I want to share it, you know? And it's like, it's not a comfortable thing. It's like, it's way more comfortable to just sit in my bed and get under the covers and turn on my Netflix. It's like, that's comfortable. It's like, but power in and of itself is not, it's not necessarily comfortable. That's a good distinction. Um, yeah, no, because they also... I don't feel like, you know, oftentimes in culture where we want to like maybe shrink some of that power to blend in or not stand out as much, like kind of as like a community, maybe even being so to stand out or to be in our full power um, kind of makes my fingertips a little tingly, like, uh -huh. <laughs> like uh -huh. uh, stepping into that is, feels a little yeah. uncomfortable, but is yeah. too. Yeah, it makes sense. And it's like, you know, it's like a lot of these things are just left over of like our survival mechanisms. It's like, 
we were tribal creatures. We did have to get along and somebody was the alpha. And if you crossed them wrong, like you were going to get a bow through your chest, you know, like it was like, we had to worry about that. But it's, it's like, I think it's something we're growing in, in our human evolution of like, oh, we're becoming, we're, we're all allowed to be powerful now. Like we're all allowed to be big and obnoxious and not be polite and like we don't we don't have to rely on each other as much either which is kind of you know in some ways it's like that can lead us to be I know for me it can lead me to be selfish right but it's like we also yeah the more of us I think that like really do take on fully living our lives it's like then eventually I want to give back you know it's like eventually yeah Mm -hmm. it's like we don't yeah, we don't have to blend in so much anymore to make it in the factories and like, you know, it's like yeah, the world's changing. Yeah. So true. And I love the the fact about like our giving back aspect too. It's like, okay, you discovered how to get there by walking it, right? And then now it's like helping the fellow peeps in the in the tribe walk it themselves. Um I love that. So uh so self-touch is there any other like technique or tool that you would suggest like starting off wise as i as i reflect or you know when i'm when i'm working with people one-on-one definitely and it's like you know it's it's something so important to me that now i i offer it myself but having some kind of a somatic healing like a physical healing session that includes the whole body where someone else is there to support releasing that, those emotions, the potential pain or anger, whatever it is that we hold in the genitals, I think is a huge step. Um, I, my favorite, my personal story about, about that, my first session, uh, I went to, you know, my journey was, it was very happenstance. It was just like, fall into this thing and meet that you know my friend says go to this guy's living room it's like I didn't have the resources so I'm also really like whatever I can of being on podcast and sharing about this it's like I'm just I'm envious of people that can have this information because I didn't so I went to a um like a five rhythms dance class which is kind of like ecstatic dance but it's guided and as soon as I walked in the room uh, I was in Melbourne Australia I saw this guy and he was kind of like skinny and he had like some kind of like shaggy baggy clothes look going on. But he just like my, my visual of him was, he was just like glowing, like bright, like a star. And I was like, okay, that's odd, but cool. Anyway, after the dance class, I was, I made, I was like, I need a ride home. Can anybody give me a ride home? And he and his friend were like, oh yeah, we got space in our car. We're going to the same neighborhood. I'm like, great. So I get in the car and um, I think I was already doing some sexual healing work on my own. And somehow that came up in the car. And this guy, his name was John. He said, have you ever heard of a yoni massage, Olivia? He was British. And I was like, yes, I have. He goes, yeah, I just went to a class on it last weekend. It was great. I've been loving it. I've been doing it myself. And I'm like, cool. He's like, do you want to go have tea tomorrow morning? Talk about s'more. I'm like, okay. So we go to tea. I sit down at the table. He goes, all right, I'm just going to get right to it. I would like to offer you a yoni massage. <laughs> I'm like, uh, 
okay, yes, yes, I would like that. Yes, please. So it just, you know, he had found the power of this work and for whatever reason, just felt called to offer it. And and I remember I had to have this whole conversation with him about like, are you hitting on me? Mm. You know, like, is this for you? Is it for me? It was, I was very like kind of skeptical about it and wary. And he was like, no, like my bound, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you're not going to touch me. I'm not even going to take my clothes off. You know, like this is all for you. And I was like, okay, like I need to receive this gift. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it, it completely unlocked that numbness. Mm-hmm. And it was probably the first time I fully stayed present throughout someone touching mm-hmm. my yoni ever. Um, and it's like, I've probably dissociated a handful of times since then, but I, I like, I, I, that was no longer my pattern after yeah. that, you know? Wow. That's powerful. So I do believe that that's a super important piece of the healing journey is, you know, the vulnerability and like you said, giving up the part that wants to be like, I'll just do this on my own. I'll do my self pleasure in my, in my room. And it's like allowing our brothers and sisters, our people, someone to support our body is profound. Yeah. You know, that brings up something to me. I had a friend recently, um, offer to give like an orgasmic, an, an, ohm, an orgasmic meditation, yes. some mm-hmm. kind of meditation, but I, in the finger. we can tell them about that more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> tell you the finger. Yeah. Wait. We gotta wait for it. <laughs> Yeah, Um, I experienced some of the same thing, like weariness, like, "Mm, are you, what are your intentions? Uh (laughs) Even after experiencing like my my own, uh, I don't know what to call it. um, Mm -hmm. I would say one of the first times I ever truly felt super safe in my body and being able to communicate, ask for what Mm -hmm. I need, um, that sort of thing. So if you're interested in it, I would definitely, I'm speaking to listeners right now, mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely explore it. Because I think right now I'm feeling called to a session with Liv. <laughs> Maybe I'll have, this will be the pre, the pre. Yes. <laughs> and then talk and about what happened. Exactly. Oh, and speak amazing. to that. Yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to share that. Because like you said, in so much um, before, like having the availability of like different resources, like podcasts, books, and, and just the mm-hmm. readiness or willingness to share this information so openly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's mm. profound for people, I think. It's been for me <laughs> yeah. as I navigate um, this arena. Because there is something too that I feel called um, because there has been like a lot of like sexual wounding or trauma in, or in that realm. I also feel that speaks to like the depths that it, I could potentially help in that realm as well on the balance side of it or mm-hmm. going through it to, um, for that. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. know. It just seems yeah. like, Oh, there's a lot of similar or a lot of like things in this one category. Maybe that speaks or is indicative of my life purpose in some way, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to share about two things about like uh, the most relevant one is about discernment in who you work with. Mm -hmm. And like you said, there is a lot of 
you know, there is the shadow side of sexual healing work, which is, you know, there's, there can be this feeling or this idea of like, well, somebody knows more than I know. Somebody has special sex. And if I have sex with them, right, I'm going to get the special sex or like, if somebody knows how to do a yoni massage, then I should just do whatever they say, even if it's not what I feel like doing in that moment. Um, and, you know, I would, I guess I want to just speak to the, speak to the empowered side of this for people of like, if you've ever had that moment when you're leaving your house and it's like, oh, I should just get my rain jacket. And you're like, no, I don't need it. It's so sunny. Like it's never going to rain. But you're like, oh, maybe I should just get my rain. No, 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 not do it. You know? It's like there's this deeper knowing and like I like to call it like the, the little voice in us that in many ways can never lead us astray. Mm-hmm. And so it's like I like to say to people, if there is any amount of that little voice that's like, I'm not so sure about this person or I mean, that whole thing sounds good. But when they said, you know, even like where their house was or whatever, I like. If you're like, oh, not that part, it's like either to have the courage to say that mm-hmm. in that moment. I'm not I'm not comfortable with that. Or just to know like it's not right. You know? It's mm-hmm. like the ease that you were like, I think I just need to do a session with you. Like, we've never talked about that. I didn't think mm-hmm. I've never had that thought. I didn't think I'm gonna be on your podcast and then you wanna do a session with me. Like, I didn't come in here with that knowing either. It just kinda right. came up as you were describing and uh-huh. um or like I am drawn to that. Yeah. So I expressed mm-hmm. it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's like, it's like that. It's like, it, it can be so easy. And just so like, mm. when we know, we just know it's like, oh, that's right. You know? And I like to say, if you have any amount of hesitation or that mm. little voice, it's like, just don't do it. You yeah. Know? Just wait. And then it's else. like, and if you listen, I'm like sending love to myself now for honoring that little voice, even though I didn't mm-hmm. know what that that's what I was yeah. doing then um, because yeah. I didn't voice it I was like oh, yeah. something didn't resonate full sin there <laughs> um, mm-hmm. so it's yeah. like noted <laughs> yeah um, and so yeah so just want to you know speak to that and mm-hmm. we could have a whole conversation about where this goes awry but I don't I don't know that that serves you know and the other piece I would say is <clears throat> you mentioned orgasmic meditation or owning mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and um, I just, can we just give them the listeners yeah. a little bit of info yeah. and also yeah. just want to break down to like the difference of that and of what I would call tantric healing or okay. sacred. Yeah. Spot I'd love, or that. I'd love that distinction. Mm-hmm. Um, so orgasmic meditation was developed by a woman named Nicole Daydone and t- similar stories. She went to a party was at this total low in her life and this guy offered to do this practice with her he said i want to offer you this what it would look like is you would take off your pants you would keep your top on and i would stroke on your clitoris in a very specific way and that's it and when we would finish in 15 minutes and i would leave and she's like why would you do that for me like that's bizarre you know and and his answer was something along the lines of like that he had learned this practice somewhere, I don't remember where, maybe in India, maybe somewhere. And it was it was just like the coolest gift he could give someone. So they did it and it was just life-changing for her. She said it was just, she had never experienced like pure pleasure for herself and it just totally awakened her body, 
you know, so it was like this experience of sensation for the purpose of awakening is kind of, that would be my, my definition of what orgasmic meditation is, is experiencing sensation, whether it is pleasure, often it is, not always, sometimes it's uncomfortable or you're learning to feel different things um, for the purpose of awakening. And, and then how do you go about your day with that battery filled up? You know, it's like, it is a regenerative practice. And the givers report, and I, I've also given this practice, and it is enlivening. It's like life force is flowing when you're doing that practice, and um, whether you're giving or receiving. So that's, it's a cool practice. It's very powerful and beautiful. And so I would say that's different than um, a sacred spot session. That's another word often used for um, a tantric healing session. That word comes from Charles Muir, comes from Source Tantra. Um, and a sacred spot session, I would say the intention is exploring the body to release stuck emotions, and, and especially in the genitals. So I've done and received sacred spots that were just my back and I was howling and, you know, re releasing stuck anger and grief in my back. It's like emotion can get stuck anywhere. Um, but, but, you know, oftentimes the gift of that session is your genitals can be included and that somebody is trained in how to touch your body in a non, in a non lovership way. Right. So it's like, um, approaching the body, not like a lover, not like, oh, I want to get you off and I want to do all these things for you, but it's like just holding space. But I would say the intention is is really different. Like for me, orgasmic meditation, it's about enlivenment, recharging the batteries and tantric healing in its most holistic form, I guess I would say, is about release. It's about mm -hmm. releasing what's stuck and in the way of that life force flow. Yeah. So I would yeah. say I could see where you'd want to do or maybe just intuitively feel more of the uh or sacred spot or something like that session. Then <laughs> maybe the orgasmic. Yeah. Like you've released a lot and then you can maybe tap into more. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, she's not in her head, but I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like you tell me. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. And, and across the board, I think that people really report or my clients report feeling ability to feel more pleasure after their sessions, whether, you know, whether their session was all about their anger or trauma or whatever it is. It's like once you release that heaviness, that stuckness, that thing you're holding on to, it's like then you can feel more. It's like the further we go into the depths and the darkness and the one end of the spectrum it expands our capacity to feel mm -hmm. in both directions really mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. that's what gave me hope when one time whenever i was like really in a, like a deeper darker depression was like okay on the opposite spectrum of this if i can journey between if i'm if i make the choice to journey between it's like that's what's possible and that's mm -hmm. beautiful too it holds that for both directions is there anything else that you want to dive into? I put down a little note that maybe we explore styles of relating. Yeah, I'm open to that. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I just have a visual that goes with the thing you just said. Yeah. About the exploring both sides. Yeah, sure. I like to say it's like the roots of a tree can have to go deep enough into the earth to support how tall the branches can grow. It's like if you have a little tiny tree in a pot, but it's going to be a big, huge oak tree one day. It's like until you take it out of that pot and plant it in the ground where the roots can go deep enough, it's going to stay stunted, you know? And so I see this work a lot of times as like going deep into the the dirt, the shit, the, the darkness, so we can grow and reach up higher and higher in our lives. That's a good visual. Mm-hmm. Mm. So it's yeah. like, what areas of life am I stunting myself? <laughs> it's where like, am I in a where, pot? Yeah, where, where am I in a pot? Like, <laughs> what shit pot am I in? <laughs> or do I need to go in to expand yeah. my pot? <laughs> Out of the pot. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm, thank you. Um, and so whenever, I guess, so now that we have that to move into like styles of relating, do you mean as far as like relationship styles or like what, I don't know what all that encompasses. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess I'll say uh, I wrote a book called Abundant oh. Love. Oh, it's a short book. It's available on Amazon. And And what I wrote about, well, originally the book started as my take on why open relating or polyamory made more sense. Mm -hmm. And then I went from that to um, being engaged in a monogamous relationship, (laughs) back to being open, and then back to being monogamous. And I was like, all right. And I just stopped the book for a while. I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Right? I'm like, clearly... I've explored everything over the span of four or five years. I'm like, what does this book even want to be? And that's, you know, a lot of my work is about, I would call it some sort of way of being a channel, like allowing life or God or the universe to come through me. And I was just like, life was coming through like one way and then it was coming through a very different way. And I'm like, well, okay, this is not going to, nobody's going to get this if I write it right now so I just paused and time went by and then the message that started to emerge was about each human like similar to how nobody has my fingerprints right nobody has my hair color my exact body type my skin color right nobody you and I you've Mm -hmm. you've got blondish hair you have beautiful eyebrows like you've got like pinks and golds and it's like we're very different, right? So, so like, why would I think that there could be any prescription for mm-hmm. how you or I would want to relate or love people in the world? Mm-hmm. I had this aha, like, how can we all learn? How can I learn to be Olivia Amorous instead of monogamous <laughs> or polyamorous, right? How can you be Kristen Amorous and, like, really do you and then find people who want to play and it's like what like what my partner's name is Juan right and we call we say we do a one love one and live dance like we do a one love relationship like that's Mm. we don't say like okay we're monogamous or we're open or whatever it is and and our agreements change like that's the other thing I'd say 
across the board of whether I'm in a relationship or I'm somewhat single. It's like what I want and what I feel like I could commit to is always changing. You know? And mm-hmm. for most people I see in life, it, it is too, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it might be minor changes like, like, you know, tweaks, but sometimes it's big changes. And so, yeah, so that's... I love that. That's a great... I feel like I had an aha moment there, too. Tell me. A great thing yeah. Well, because I, you know, I navigate, I was like, am I more, you know, open? Am I more poly? Am I, like, do I want, like, more of the... <laughs> so I'm, like, navigating, I'm like, which one is the right one for me? And so I mm-hmm. love it and being like, me, the, my style is the one for me. <laughs> you know? And, and having that fluidity to like, okay, what I want today may not be what I wanted yesterday or like five minutes ago or whatever. And having like that more like moment to moment s type of uh, approach versus like, oh, I've got to stick to this one if I you know, tried it on and liked it once, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and I, because I, I, I also see like the, the, you know, challenges or opportunities or beauty in all of them. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. it's like, why wouldn't I, for me, want to explore and navigate through all of them versus like mm-hmm. boxing myself into one, the mm-hmm. having the more liberated hat of Kristen Amaris <laughs> is more liberating and freeing than like putting on that one. Mm-hmm. It feels better. Totally. Yeah, you know, and and I I'm a big believer too that the the people in our life or the people we are relating with in each time also like bring different lessons or bring different desires or different experiences to us, and so mm-hmm. you know it's like just because a monogamous traditional relationship worked when I was married with my husband, and then. I wanted to have three partners when I was dating this guy in New York. It's like, it, it was the nat, it's kind of like the natural thing that comes out. It's like, if you and I get together and we make dinner, maybe we're going to make pad thai, you know? And then if you get together with your other friend, Angie, right? The next night, it's like, you could be like, we want to make pad thai. And she's like, no, we make a pizza. Like, I <laughs> pad thai. like you know, it's like, we, it gets it gets like ever, never endingly full of possibilities depending on who who comes into our life who do we want to play with and and yeah and I think you know I don't I don't have an answer of like what does it take to have that creativity and flexibility mm. in long term relationship you know like I was married for five years and it came to like an abrupt crack, you know? And so that to me, I feel like is not, I wasn't in this experiment. I wasn't in this Petri dish at that time per se. Um, and, and right now this relationship with Juan, we've been together going on two years, you know, and that's the longest I've related ongoingly in a romantic sexual way with any of my partners since 2016. Um, but I have a lot of people who were lovers and then became friends again or have gone between friends and lovers over time. Um, but I'm, I'm really curious and like very, I feel my current lesson is how do I keep the ball rolling and like, how do I keep 
finding what we want to make for dinner, you know, the analogy in our relationship. Like, what do we want to make in each stage of the relationship? And so we've been doing um, six months at a time. We negotiate our agreements or kind of like the, you know, where's the fence on the playground? Mm -hmm. And we play in that playground. And then after that amount of time goes by, then we say, okay, how do we want to play in this next six months? And it's, it, I mean, it's, it's going on, you know, it's still going. So yeah. that's, that's all I know right now. I think that's a cool approach. I like mm-hmm. that. A good tool. But again, it's yeah, like, it's that's our tool. Yeah. 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 <laughs> relationship right now. It's like not recommending that for anybody else. Cause you do you. <laughs> yeah. Discover, yeah. I think having that curiosity is key to like for so much. I think curiosity is can illuminate so many things. And like when you have your, you know, the courage to ask yourself questions about yourself, about life um, and feeding that curiosity, uh, I feel like it opens up a, a new world whenever you venture into it. Um, so if there's anything, yeah, maybe that people walk away with a little more curiosity. <laughs> what's, what's my amorous style? Like, yeah. What's, yeah. yeah. And that mm-hmm. might change from five minutes from now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm so happy that you want and agreed to do this podcast with me. Where can people connect with you? Do you have any offers that you want to share that's upcoming? Mm, I do. Yeah. So my website is oliviapavlov.com. Um, but my Instagram is where I post the most. And I post whatever I'm teaching or whatever I'm promoting goes on there. And so my Instagram is live, L-I-V, love, L-O-V-E, Tantra, T-A-N-T-R-A. Um, and yeah, I am teaching a sex magic weekend here in Austin. Ooh, I know, I'm like, yes, um, November 12th and 13th. And it's going to be two good full days of really learning how to use our sexual energy for creating our life. So day one is about really working with ourselves, getting in touch with our emotions, our energy, um, and like my basic guide of how to do what I would call sex magic, which is directing my turn on and my pleasure towards, you know, I want to get a new car or I want to get, I want to create this book or I want to go, you know, on three dates this week. It's like whatever I want to create, how do I harness that generator of my sexuality to create that? And then day two, we're going to be teaching um, all around what I call one of the the high magic rituals in Tantra, which is, uh, it's called the red and the white ritual. So how do we work with the blood and the semen um, and mixing those for even higher potential of creation? It's like the, the life force in the physical form and working with that. So it'll be a little edgy. It'll be a little out there. Um, and you don't have to come in your partnership, but we, I'm saying that my one requirement is that you have someone that you can play with to create that ritual, um, after you leave on day two. So, um, yeah, all, all people in whatever bodies are welcome, all relationship styles welcome. And that's on my website and it's on my Instagram. So I'm bummed I'm going to be out of town that weekend. (laughs) I know. We'll do it again. Yeah, we'll do it again. And I am teaching that one with Juan, Juan S. Alzate. Uh, He 
he's my partner and so we'll be teaching that together here awesome well thank you you're welcome